0: It's very interesting what my wife just said about, in this season, God growing and creating a sanctuary of His presence. We often plan the messages together. Although we didn't this week because she was busy planning her own message for the ladies gathering yesterday, which was awesome, off the hook, wonderful, by the way, very exciting. But we didn't plan this one together, and so I feel like God's just further lining up Uh, or confirming the lining up of our spirit and what he's doing, because in a sense, the whole message today is about how God is and wants to grow us as a sanctuary of his presence. And so, amen to that word that wasn't coming out of nowhere. I know, that was my point in saying that. (laughs) She says, I didn't know that. I was like, I know, I just told everybody he didn't know that. So let's ask the question, in a discipleship culture, what's the connection here? between personal responsibility and collective power. Because we're talking about discipleship culture. And Don just spoke a word about this growing collective power, if you will, in a, in a sanctuary of God's presence. And so I want to dig in today to God's word because within a discipleship culture, meaning a culture that produces people that are ultimately more like Jesus there in Scripture is a clear combination of and connection between this collective power and individual responsibility. So let me take us to a couple places in God's Word that demonstrate that collective power. Ephesians 2-4, that whole section, is really, really uh, key in Paul describing the collective power of a local body of Christ as well as the universal body of Christ. But let's just focus in on one beautiful phrase. Ephesians 2.22. In Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, how beautiful and, and not coincidental is that verse? That's literally what Don just came up and said. She has this sense that in the season, God is building us as a sanctuary of his presence. (laughs) That's crazy. In Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place, a sanctuary, a tabernacle. You know what? That would be interesting. I look up that word in the Greek. It's probably the word sanctuary and tabernacle, which is very often dwelling place. Um, maybe not but very possible but anyways you're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit that is a collective power you all together being built into a dwelling place for God by the spirit 1 Peter 2:5 has a similar picture you yourselves again to the plural to the local body of Christ you are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So you see the individual and the collective. Individual living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. Very similar pictures. A dwelling place, a house, being built up into this by the Spirit of God. That's a collective power. So... When we're talking about a discipleship culture that is our goal here to to grow into, to partner with God, to do our part, to say, yes, we want to be like what Jesus described, a family of followers of God that's dependent on the Spirit, locked in on the mission of God, that God grows into this dwelling place where there's a collective power in it that is nothing less than what Jesus would go on to say as the goal of his church in every small and big location, you are the light of the world. Which, if you ponder that, (laughs) at first it can almost seem blasphemous. You are the light of the world. Like, Is that a little arrogant? Like, whoa, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. I would say I would be very uncomfortable with claiming that as our identity unless Jesus himself said it. But you know what he did? He said first, John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. That makes a little more sense. We can handle that. Jesus is the Savior of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we're not the source of that light. We cannot create that light. We can receive from the fountain, from grace upon grace. We have received. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He carries the light of the eternal God. The light that overcomes the darkness. And what Jesus says is, anyone who believes in me will then have that light. So as you receive and believe and walk with Jesus, the true light of God becomes more and more alive in you, and you put that together in a collective, and Jesus says, and your destiny is, you, plural, are the light of the world. That's called a collective power. I mean, come on. If Jesus is going to use the same exact phrase, light of the world, to describe his own missional purpose, and to describe our missional purpose, that's a collective power. Yeah. To say the same ministry of Jesus is our ministry, the same mission of being in the light of the world he gave to us, he put in us, he's growing in us, that's a collective power. The body of Christ is supposed to be as powerful as the incarnate Christ. The body of Christ supposed to be as powerful as the incarnate Christ. That's Jesus' idea, by the way. (laughs) Not mine, so don't throw something at me. What's also very apparent in God's word is that there's a very real sense that this collective power is not simply an automatic reality and our real life experience, all of our real life experience, confirms that that is true, right? We've all been in our own life and in the context of church life that is not as powerful as the incarnate Christ. So it just doesn't automatically happen. Although Jesus said it's our mission and destiny. That's called vision. If you don't have vision that you're aiming towards, you're hitting nothing. So this is holy vision from Jesus of where he's taking us. So the goal is not, we'll look around and be like, well, they've failed, (laughs) like, because they're not Jesus yet. Like, that has no spiritual power in it whatsoever. Like, the enemy is the accuser. Like, to just be able to point out your own flaws and your family's flaws and your church family's flaws has no necessary spiritual power in it. Of course we're not there, (laughs) like, We're never going to get all the way there, but there is vision, holy vision from Jesus that gives us focus. We may not be there, but where are we going? Where are we putting our time, effort, and energy? Where are we saying we want to surrender Jesus and continue to learn and grow, and by your grace, by your Spirit's power, get better, become more like you? If you don't have any vision, then you're not really going anywhere. So this is the holy vision that, that unifies us in missional purpose, to have that collective power. I mean, what, what's being described in Ephesians and, and 1 Peter is a quality that right in the text you can see it's meant to grow. Just because we're not the perfect light of the world today doesn't mean that God's abandoned you or abandoned us or abandoned your family. It's a growth process. Look at this. You also, this is the Ephesians 2.22, you also are being built together. Look at that present continuous process. You are being built together. I mean, any, any construction people in the house, this is like so clearly it's a visual of a house being built it's a growth process. There is increase happening. It doesn't say you've all arrived just because you're Christians now. You are the dwelling place of God. You're the perfect body of Christ. You're the perfect light of the world. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God. It's amazing that it says a dwelling place. That also confirms that it's localized, and it's a process. You and I are not the dwelling place for God. It's talking to a local church here and saying God's got you on a journey where you are being built together into a dwelling place for God. That's an amazing picture of that collective power that's possible but also the humbling reality that we're not there yet, and so we want to see the vision and surrender ourselves to the vision and say, God, do it. Do it in me personally. Do it in my little family. Do it in our church family. But there might be a a question of, but wait a minute. How are we being built into a dwelling place for God? If God already dwells within me, which is, that's a healthy question, actually. This says you are being built into a dwelling place for God. That's the church, says. But don't I already have God in me? Yes, absolutely. If you're a believer, it's impossible not to. Jesus himself said that my, my father and I will come and make our home within you. Your spirit will, our, my spirit Will be given to you and will dwell within you and it's impossible to be a, a child of god without it that's the whole regeneration rebirth the holy spirit indwells us and we are born again jesus said you have to be born by the, by the flesh and by the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of god you must be born again by the spirit so if you're a follower of jesus a child of god a believer The Spirit of God already dwells within you. You are a dwelling place of God. So that's true. But then Jesus would also go to say things like, but when two or three gather in my name, I am there. It's like, well, but you're already there. So how are you going to be there when two or three gather in my name? If you're already there, you're already in me. So what Jesus is talking about is an increased power in the collective. When we all take our individual dwelling place of God that we are and our faith and we come together in the collective under the lordship of Jesus, his manifest power and presence increases really simple in a way. It's just Jesus saying, hey, you're better together than you are apart. My presence will be more powerful when you humble yourself and and come under the lordship of Jesus with others than when you are by yourself. Though I'm with you, you're not made for a solo mission. You are more powerful together. And so you can kind of see this scaling up, if you will. If, hey, you're powerful as an individual, and God dwells with you, but you're more, pow- more powerful if even two or three gather in my name and unite under Jesus' lordship, what happens when that two or three then becomes 20, or 200, or 2,000? Now we're talking about a collective power that might actually, win in unity and empowered by his spirit, represent Christ, the body of Christ, Might actually represent that same kind of power as the incarnate Christ. What's the key word here? Ephesians 2 22. In him you also, that's you plural, also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Ha, together is the key word. Cuz you're already a dwelling place of God on your own as a as a believer, as a follower. So what he's speaking of here is the collective power. You also are being built together into a dwelling place of God. There is simply a power together we do not have when we're apart. So though God's already here, he's already present dwelling in you individually, and then in increased measure when we get together in small groups, he will dwell in the greatest measure possible when we are together, built by the Spirit as a dwelling place of God. And that's, that's the goal, that's the, in a sense, the missional goal of the Christian life is to have such a collective power of Christ flowing through us. That people would, people on the outside and the inside would say, "Man, it's like God lives there. It's like God dwells there. You know, it's like it's hard to describe it, but it's like things are different in such a way that I could. It feels like appropriate to say it's like God is there. That's the goal. The God's manifest, powerful presence would be so real, and in increasing measure. Remember, this is vision. This is goal. This is not." Assess your own present reality, and if there's anything wrong, then just give up. No, it's this is the vision where things happen that are miraculous. Transformed lives, transformed marriages, transformed parenting. From despair to hope, anxiety to peace, anger to love, division to reconciliation. Reconciliation. Joy, as Don talked about last, yesterday with the ladies, childlike joy, freedom, physical healings, prophetic words, on and on. Look at all these things that in the New Testament specifically are described of the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, when the collective is at its best in power. It looks like and feels like Jesus on earth in the same kind of relational intimacy that he dis- displayed with the father the same good fruit of his life i mean when we talk about the fruit of the spirit it's nothing that jesus didn't display he he displayed it all perfectly so sometimes when we talk about oh we want to we want to model what jesus modeled sometimes we can get a little bit myopic in the vision and we think about like the power stuff which is awesome and Totally included signs, wonders, prophetic power, healing power, just the stuff that makes you in awe of God's manifest presence. But no less than that is the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus modeled. I mean, who among us could be hanging on the cross, betrayed and killed, falsely accused, unjustly murdered, and say, Father, forgive them? That's power. Or to be going through hell on earth. And as he's about to leave it, knowing that that hell on earth is going to get worse, he says, Don quoted it yesterday, he says, my my goal for you, I am going to give you my joy so that you may have it. You may have joy and to the full. Meaning, I've got the fullness of joy already, and I want to pass that on to you so you can be full of joy like I'm full of joy. That's Jesus. That's power. You look what Jesus went through, and and for him to say, I am full of joy, and man, you're missing out. I want to give it to you. That's power. So those are the kind of collective power experiences that we have experienced, but we're hungry for more. We want it more, God. We want it better. We want the fruit of the Spirit to increase in this place, and we want the power of the Spirit to increase in this place. That's collective power. But let's be sober. In all of this that's being painted in God's Word, I would call it a potential collective power. It's a potential collective power. It is not Automatic. We can quench the spirit. We can ignore the spirit. We can grieve the spirit. We can say a polite, no thank you spirit, I've got this one on my own. And quite frankly, we will not experience the fullness of the potential collective power if that's in our hearts. And it's in all our hearts. That's part of why we do life together regularly. It's part of that, what are those walls that are keeping me from that greater measure, that new thing that God wants to do? Oftentimes, the biggest wall is right here. (laughs) That's why Romans 12.1 says we need to have our minds renewed to actually believe all that God has for us and all that's possible in this life and not believe the lies of the enemy the accusations of the enemy and step forward step by step being renewed in faith to, to encounter more of that potential collective power it is not guaranteed and we know that by our own experience right you've been you've walked with God long enough to, is it guaranteed That you're just going to wake up and be closer to God today than you were tomorrow? Is it guaranteed that you're going to have better fruit of the the spirit today than you did yesterday? Is it guaranteed you're going to have more power in the spirit? You're going to experience that in your life? Is that guaranteed regardless of anything that you do? Absolutely not. No way. You would be a robot if that was the case. You would be like a soulless mannequin. You are half of the relationship with God. And he honors you. He doesn't treat you like a robot. When we say no and we don't want it, he stands at the door and knocks. And when you don't open the door, he stays outside. That's just a picture from Jesus in Revelation 3. So it's not guaranteed. For me, I take this as good news. This, for my wife and I, this stuff gets us fired up for. How incredible can life be that I don't see it as a negative that the potential power is not guaranteed or automatic. I see that as an invitation from God of how much fruit of the abundant life do you want? Then come after me with everything you got. And when you think you have, surrender again. And let me show you the next degree in which you thought you surrendered everything, but you were really holding back. All with the promise that abundant life, both fruit of the Spirit, in power in the Spirit, is always the promised reward. More of Him. More relationship with Him. More intimacy with God. And so I, this gets us fired up. And I'm only, the only one, which is Cool. Let's move to uh, a question. And I'm playing. Like, I know you guys love this or you wouldn't be here. So if you don't come back next week, I know you didn't love it. So I really am doing nothing new today other than meaning to encourage with the good news of Jesus. Ephesians 4 has this shocking phrase to me that answers... Maybe the most important answer, other than by the Spirit's power, which is a given, but we need to make sure we understand that. It's not our strength. The best we do is give God our yes, and then his power is what makes it happen. But if we ask the question, how does this collective power get fully realized, this potential of power get fully realized? realized in the collective? Guess what? The Bible has the answer. (laughs) We don't have to make up the answer. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, describes this body of Christ, and the whole two to four chapters describe how this body of Christ, the ultimate goal of it, is to be transformed and grown ultimately into having the same maturity as Christ himself. So there's Paul. We don't have time to go into all those chapters today, but there's Paul affirming the same exact thing that Jesus said, where you are the light of the world. You are being built into a dwelling place of God. That is the light of the world. It's supposed to be that powerful. Well, Paul affirms the exact same thing when he says the goal of the body of Christ is that we would all reach full, mature manhood in Christ, meaning that we would be transformed to be like Jesus in character and power. So that's Ephesians 2 to 4. One little snippet of it answers the question of how do we get there? There's multiple things, but this might be the most important, and especially moving into this series in the fall on a discipleship culture in community. Let's check out this verse. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Christ. That's right there. That's what I was just saying. It said like 10 different ways in ephesians 2 to 4 we do we hear that we are to grow up in every way into christ not this is talking as the collective power not a few of the ways not only our favorite ways not only as our personality prefers but we are to grow up in every way character competencies into christ who is the head From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, watch this little uh, uh, fire sandwich from Paul. (laughs) Actually, talking about invitation last week, invitation and challenge. This is an invitation and challenge sandwich. The invitation is all like the warm, fuzzy, good news promises of God my identity. Oh, God's so amazing. The challenge is, and here's your part. Dang it. (laughs) Invitation, here we go. You are to grow up in every way to be like Jesus. I mean, who could disagree with that? Who's it? No, thanks. I don't want to be like Jesus. I mean, we got major issues if that's how you're responding to this text. That should be good news. That's an invitation. You get to grow up to be like Jesus. That's God's goal for you in the collective power. And then he finishes it. And that makes the body grow. So it builds itself up in love. So it's growing, growing to be like Jesus. There's the invitation sandwich. Man, this is good news. Where's the challenge? When each part is working properly, we will not realize our full potential of being like Christ if you're not working properly. If I'm not working properly. <laughs> That's an invitation and challenge sandwich. It felt like a challenge sandwich in the silence there. But it's real. It's, it's, it's Whoa, I love the sobriety of it. I love the honesty of it. It's like, hey, man, you look around like, man, this is a weak body of Christ. Well, don't blame God. The potential is realized when each part is working properly. I love the challenge. Again, I mean, when I say that, like that kind of stuff, the reason why I love challenges is because I'm bathed in the invitations of God. My identity is not in my performance, That gives me strength to be like, let's do it. Let's do the hard stuff because my identity is secure because I'm wrapped in the righteousness of Christ and I don't have to and cannot do anything anything to earn god's love or earn being a child of god that's signed sealed and delivered by christ and the spirit so now it's like free play i get to just have fun trying to take on that challenge of doing good in the world and being transformed for god's glory but i know my present and eternity is way already secured so i'm not fighting for that i'm fighting from that wow that was all spontaneous and really good (laughs) thank you jesus Personal responsibility is what I'm trying to say on the part of the member of each and every single one of us. It's a privilege, actually. It's an honor that we're not little uh, soulless mannequins. That God thinks so highly of us as a family that with his spirit in us, we've been renewed, recreated, redeemed to, be, to express the fullness of 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 Jesus through us uniquely in our gifts, passions, wiring, personality. And and he honors us to say, hey, you want to come more fully alive in expressing Jesus to the world? Do your part. I've given you a holy responsibility now. Mike and Alicia talked about this a couple weeks ago. Relationship and responsibility woven all Throughout the word, the relationship is that free gift of righteousness that draws us into that covenant relationship with God, sets us alive by his spirit. And now the idea is we're going to, we're going to want responsibility. I want to do something important with my life. I don't want to just grab my little ticket to heaven and just coast along like a nothing blowing in the wind. I want to, I want to see the fullness of representing Christ. What, is there a better possible purpose to be living for until Christ calls me home? that to become more like Jesus, experience God more intimately through that, and then pass on that light to the world? Somebody show me a better purpose. And so this, but it comes with responsibility. On the part of each and every member from the verse, it says when each does their part, when each is working properly. So to kind of put a little paraphrase on it, of what does this look like then from this verse to kind of take that personal responsibility? Because that's the idea. We would each own a personal responsibility to the body of Christ. Something like this. Maybe, you, maybe this is a good homework assignment. Is at the end of your lift notes, and it's not in there, I'm just thinking of it right now. This verse clearly says there is a personal responsibility that each of us have, to the collective power. So maybe you write your own mission statement. What does it look like for you to own taking personal responsibility to do your part, to work properly, so that the collective power can reach its maximum potential? That's a tremendous, tremendous question to take before the Lord. Something like this for me. I take Ownership of the fact that I have an absolutely crucial contribution to make to the body of Christ in order for it to reach its God designed potential of collective power. In other words, my participation in the body of Christ matters. It's that simple. I matter. I have something to give. I have something to contribute. And that right there is part of a discipleship culture versus a consumer culture. Consumer culture is, what can I get out of it? That's the primary question. If I'm not feeling it today at church, I didn't get enough out of it, I'm looking for a new church next week. Discipleship culture says, what can I give to it? What can I contribute? God says, I'm an indispensable part. And when I'm working properly, contributing to the body of Christ, that's when that body will reach its maximum power in the world and ultimately glorify God as it looks like Jesus. So my first and foremost question is, not what I can get out of it, but what can I put into it? All right, let's close with a cartoon clip from the early 1980s. As I was, there's more, but I'm being nice to you guys. We're gonna finish not at 11:30 today. I think you got the point. But, <laughs> oh, oh, all right, let's, let's, let's. Hey, 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 hey. That's the most excited you all got to the whole day. Enough of this. cars merge into Devastator. <laughs> Christ Christ. Did, anybody, did, anyone, Hello. did anyone grow up and, and have the utter holy joy? Can you turn me up here a little bit more on this guy? The, jo- the holy joy of watching that live on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock? That's the body of Christ. Now, those are the bad guys. I'm sorry. But they stole it. See, the devil always likes to counterfeit. So don't be afraid of that. Just flip it up and it gets redeemed. But... Those are the Constructicons. They're like all little individual. There's six of them, I think. They're construction workers. There's a guy who's got like the, you know, the uh, cement truck there. One of them's got a crane. There's a bulldozer. They're, they're, they're the Constructicons. And when their, their leader calls on them, he says, devastator. You know, and it's the six Constructicons. Each take their individual little power that they have and they come together t- to form this devastator who cannot be stopped. I mean, th- if you hear nothing else today, just get that 20-second picture in your head. That is the body of Christ. It's that each of us are created and designed by God with our own unique power. So those little, that little dump truck can buy himself. He can do his, his thing. The little, the little mixer can... Produce, you know, uh, concrete. The crane can pick stuff up. The bulldozer can bulldoze. That's awesome. It's important. You're awesome. You're important. You're a dwelling place of God. You, You have gifts and passions that make a singular, by yourself difference on the world. But how much better are we together? That's the picture. When we can receive the glory that God has given each of us and then receive the responsibility that he says... Take that glory and give it to the body of Christ. And that can happen in the very most simple of ways. I'll put the challenge on it right now. In this next season, the number one way that the body, each member of the body of Christ can, to quote the Bible, do its part and work properly is this right here. Invest in relationship with others. Right now for this season. That's it. That's that's there's more. But right now for this season, invest in relationship. Life groups are a probably the central and primary application right now where we would say, Hey, we're gonna go beyond Sunday and we're gonna get with that group of 10, 12, 15 people, and we're gonna say every week we're gonna get in God's word together. We're gonna process life together as followers of Jesus. We're gonna talk about the highs and the lows and the successes and the failures and pray for each other. It's very simple. Very powerful when there's the devotion to that relationship. It's right there in Acts 2. What made the church the world-changing power? It said they devoted themselves to koinonia fellowship. There's other things as well, but we'll just keep it simple. Devoting to that relationship. Seeing that that is a, a personal responsibility. To say, who can I invest in? how can I invest? And then we submit it to the Lord, okay? I'm going to say, this is not this heavy-handed attempt to say, do all these things just to do stuff. I'm saying, take the vision and values of the Word of God, the practical application of where we're at as a church family right now, to leading to investing relationally in one another, making time for each other, Sundays, life groups, and whenever and wherever else, that's the call right now. But That's all under the Lordship of Jesus. So it's submitted to Holy Spirit, lead my time. Holy Spirit, take over my calendar. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom into who and where and how and when I invest my time. So that we can move towards that collective power that people within here and out there are like, man, I know it's crazy to say, but it feels a lot like Jesus. So let's go there. Yeah. We'll close with a word of encouragement and a prayer for my wifey.
1: So even before he got into this end part, I was just feeling um, the Holy Spirit say exactly what he just said. And I'm going to read the words I felt like he spoke to me. Do you want his manifest presence? Yes, we do. Then we need to dedicate ourselves to togetherness and come under the word of God over this body, over this church, and get in the life groups. Get in the life groups. If you, can't, if you miss yours, get to another one that week. If you need to hop between a number of them, it doesn't matter. Just get in. He's going to meet us there. And I really felt like um, the Lord gave me a picture. I heard the words uh, knit together, glued together, oneness, and the sense of koinonia when the Spirit fell on the disciples of the early church. And, um, and I just felt like the Lord saying, this is the way. This is the way. For what we want, the manifest presence, so that we can be the light of the world, this is the way. Togetherness. Not only our own walking individually, the one, but it's not a one-man show. This is not a one-man show. This is very counter-cultural in America. But if we want to be a body of Christ and exhibit his manifest presence and his glory to the world. We have to follow and come under his way of life and the way that he's told us in the scriptures and through his spirit in you know words that he's given us. And we need to get and be a part and be dedicated to that togetherness. And right now, the life groups in particular are in an anointed vehicle during this season that we believe is chosen by God, a, a, spoken to us by God, and to our leadership team. This is what he's doing. You want that gold? You want that glory? You want to get dipped in that? You want to become that? You want to experience the fire as he refines you and makes you into that gold? You want to shine that glory to the world and see the streets become gold like heaven on earth and the kingdom of God transplanted from heaven to earth through us as a mighty body knit together. It's real simple. We can all just drive and get in those groups and hold hands. And I saw an image that I want to share and just pray over us. I saw as we were dedicated to one another, glued together in that oneness, in those life groups. Um, It's hard to describe. I saw the atmosphere of heaven just like teeming between us. Actually, it was an image of me and Cynthia, but it was representative of all of us. It was like we were at a life group together, and it's representative of what we will all experience here, but it was just he was just moving, and it was the atmosphere of heaven, the breakthrough of heaven, the presence of God. It was, I'm shaking, the Holy Spirit is on this. It was effortless. And as we came oh As we came together, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, not sorry. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Lord. More, Lord. And you know what I want to speak out? God, we just say, can we just all put our arms up and say we are in this together, God? Yes, God, we are in this together to be your holy vehicle to transform the world. And God, we just give you our minds and our hearts. And we say, transform our minds and transform our hearts. I feel like there's a new thing that he's going to be doing, and it's going to push our envelopes. It's going to require an expanding of our minds. But you know what? We're all hungry and we want it. So God, we are excited to get a little uncomfortable because walking on water ain't so comfortable when you've been sitting in the boat. And we haven't been sitting in the boat on purpose, but we're gonna be walking on water. We're gonna be doing the impossible. We're gonna be walking in and seeing the supernatural. We're gonna be bathed in your presence, God, in the atmosphere of heaven where there's no sickness in heaven. There are no demon assaults in heaven. There are no chains in heaven. There is no bondage in heaven. You are the bondage breaker. You are the healer. You are the way maker. And as we dedicate ourselves during this season in togetherness, which is the beginning and is growing We will see your light shine and your kingdom expand on this earth. Your kingdom will become this earth, a part of this earth forevermore. The kingdom established and growing up until eternity. And so, God, we we say glory to you. We welcome you as a body. We say we are all in together and show us what it means. Break down the minds in our hearts. Yes, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We all need a transformed mind, step by step, day by day. All of us need this from you. We have not arrived yet, and Jesus, we're just like little children. We say, we want more. We want more of you. We want more of you, and togetherness. We believe that you have called us to togetherness. It is super clear in your word, and so God, we just say, show us how to do it, Holy Spirit, and we are in together on this adventure with you, Yeah. Go team, Woo! In Jesus' name. I will sing a new
0: song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance.